great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Not gonna lie here, Ryan Talbot. It's a little bit misty in this room. I'm emotional. Breaking things down. It's the last hours back here at St. John Fisher University. It has been so awesome being back covering training camp the way the training camp should be covered in a sea of Bills Mafia. Oh, by the time we're done with this episode, Ryan, we're gonna have about nine hours of training camp podcast that has been delivered to the fan base and you guys have been so awesome uh consuming it watching it sharing it uh we're so appreciative of that of course this is shout a buffalo football podcast brought to you by uh tops friendly markets your neighborhood store with more barbecues tailgating or on a road trip to see your favorite team wherever the football season finds you make sure to stop at tops for the best deals in town from fresh meat to locally grown produce tops has everything you need and so much more for meal time snack time or anytime tops at your table since 1962 ryan talbot set the table what are you thinking where are we gonna go uh and yeah as phil said smash that like button i was gonna say yeah that's a good place to start bill's mafia you've been great uh every day after the pod's over i see more and more likes but if you're here now smash that like button as we get started on the final uh training camp podcast here for the bills uh, Matt said he's packing up here, so uh, we're, we're going to be shifting our focus pretty soon to the preseason, but let's talk a little bit about camp today, Matt. Uh, how about one last skirmish? Tell us a little bit about what happened today there with Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, and company. Yeah, I'm just moving over so I can get my little garbage bag out of the out of the video there. <laughs> <laughs> I got my, I got, we got our cool shout, uh, shout sign that Ellie made. Uh, she delivered that. Um, at the at the scrimmage of their day but yeah another skirmish and we were talking to micah hyde and uh josh allen spoke a little bit about it as, as well why i think we've seen so many fights is because you know the this team knows exactly what the expectations are and when you get into a camp where every guy that steps to the podium is being asked about you know super bowl expectations and all this other stuff it's not even about wanting to win every rep. Like a lot of these guys don't want to lose any reps. So when you see what happened today, Josh Allen said it's just to be expected because, you know, guys are fighting and scratching the bill live today for the first time. I think all camp fully live. Uh, like the first team went live with Josh Allen. And um, a lot of the guys that I think are not going to play on Saturday, like giving them a little bit of uh, action here in a, in a controlled environment. And whenever you do that, it gets the intensity up. And there was one play at, near the end of practice where, Dawkins and Oliver were pushing back and forth. Jordan Phillips, of course, was in the middle of it. He seemed to get everybody riled up all throughout camp. They're going back and forth. And all of a sudden, Deion Dawkins and Ed Oliver are like grabbing onto each other. And Ed Oliver, I don't know if he wrestled. I got to pull up his scouting report. But <laughs> it was an elite double leg takedown. He just went down, dropped his hands, got a big scoop of Dawkins, put him down on the ground. I think he had like Spencer Brown was trying to break it up. And maybe that might have giving Oliver a little bit of leverage. I don't know. Phillips was in there too. It was just a little fight and it wasn't anything crazy. No punches were thrown uh, or maybe there was, I couldn't, it was kind of really hard to say it was a real melee, but I think the bills without a doubt at this point are ready to, you know, 
hit somebody else outside of their own teammates. Yeah, I'm, I think they're ready for the Colts game. Those that will be playing, uh, ready for some of these other preseason games uh, that they have on the horizon. You're right. They, they know what's at stake this season. They know that the Super Bowl favorites, uh, things were just very intense. Just like you said, Sean McDermott said before today's practice, things are going to be, it was going to be like a high intensity practice. And when you're not anticipating having Josh Allen out there, which he announced would not play in this first game against the Colts and some of your other star players, uh, this is your last chance to see them get some live reps against uh, a first-team defense until uh, maybe the second preseason game or obviously the practices that you have after the Colts game. But it, it was important to end on a high note. You don't want to go through the motions, have a walkthrough with a game on the horizon, especially when there's a lot of people playing in that upcoming game, uh, fighting for a few roster spots. So like you said, kind of much ado about nothing, but a, a very chippy training camp nonetheless, Matt. Yeah, and let's go into an update here on where the Bills are health-wise. Uh, Tavon Austin and Tyrell Dotson, uh, they missed an, uh, you know, a couple consecutive days here now. Uh, general soreness, tightness is what Sean McDermott has been referring to a lot of these injuries as. Uh, he mentioned that once again, Dotson and Austin were working uh, like with the trainers off to the side. And actually, Dotson uh, popped into my interview. I'll have a story on Terrell Bernard on Saturday. And mid-interview... Uh, Dotson just walked in and wanted to chat a little bit about Bernard. It was really cool. Um, so he's in good spirits. He looks like he's in, he's in good health. So we'll, uh, I would imagine you'll see him back pretty soon. Stevenson's still out. Ike Butker has not dressed yet. Tredavious White as well. Um, other than that, Ryan, to have Jordan Poyer, Ilianku return, Tim Harris return, all the three guys that have been out, they, they remained in Isaiah McKenzie, Taron Johnson, and Cleo Shakir. So the Bills are super healthy going in to this uh, uh, preseason game. Yeah, and that's what you want to see. You didn't want you don't want any significant injuries to take place during camp. They obviously had a few scares between Hyde and Poyer. Uh, Hyde was was a very short term back within a few days. Poyer, they just said trending in the right direction today. Um, so it looks like they they avoided any significant injuries. Um, a few years ago, I think gap integrity was one of the the buzzwords for the Bills. I think general soreness is the the buzzword for the Bills this uh, summer. It, it seemed like that was just the excuse for anyone that was on the bike off to the side working. Uh, and, and listen, the team had every right to say that if they don't want to get into specifics. But if general soreness is what the Bills had to deal with this summer, uh, I think they would take that 10 out of 10 times. Let's go to uh, a couple other standouts. So just so you guys know how we're going to kind of do this last show here of training camp, we're going to get into a couple quick hitting um, observations from today's practice. Then we're going to move kind of into a preview wrap of camp uh, and then preview of uh, Saturday's game and what we're looking for, uh, what players I, I think fans are going to want to watch the most in this game against the Colts. Um, but I want to go to Devin Singletary because he yeah. had what I think was probably – at least in the running for the highlight of the day offensively, it was a, a really nice run, kind of broke it out uh, to, to the right side. He ran between a nice block between Ryan uh, Bates and David Questenberry. Uh, we saw Questenberry in. We saw Spencer Brown a little bit in as well, uh, kind of mixing in at, at, at right tackle. And then, boom, it was like second level, third level. Devin Singletary looks like the motor is running, man. He looks like he's ready to go. That's the kind of guy that we saw late last season. And I think the guy that, I'm not expecting to play a ton in training or in preseason here. I, I think he's been solid when they've asked him to do work in the train in training camp to get himself ready to go. 
Uh, you saw him flash kind of that second, third level speed to the point where at the end of the play, it was, I think it was DeMar Hamlin or Jaquan Johnson was trying to run him down out of the, out near the sidelines. It was, uh, you know, a really good run by Devin Singletary, the best run I've seen from a running back all week. And so, yeah, I, I got a couple of questions about Singletary, but he seems poised to, to just pick up where he left off last season. And, and he left off on such a strong note. Uh, I'm really excited to see Singletary, Moss, Cook, any you know everyone this preseason. Obviously, the, those that make the roster because I feel like the last few years, some a, a big portion of the run game woes has been the blocking in front of them, the the run blocking, uh, the gaps, the lanes, and I've seen enough at camp from the time I was there from your observations. Uh, that it seems like there's just they're opening things up a little bit more for the running backs mm-hmm. this summer. Uh, we've seen Singletary rip off some big runs. We saw him do it at the return of the blue and red. We've seen Cook rip off some big runs. We've seen Moss. We've even seen Taiwan Jones rip off some big runs this summer. Uh, so the Aaron Cromer effect, so to speak, has kind of been in play here. I, I really do think that this offensive line is poised to take another step this year as long as health is on their side. They were very banged up this summer. A lot of general soreness on the offensive line. Uh, obviously, with Roger Saffold and the rib injury, that took a lot most of his summer or most of his training camp away from the field. We saw Spencer Brown come back very slowly. Obviously, the training staff wanted to bring him along at a certain pace with, with the bat procedure. Um, but if those guys can all stay healthy on this line, I really think it's going to benefit Singletary and company. Um. Shout out to Pops Mafia on the YouTube uh, comments, uh, Harold. Uh, I, I think I saw him out at camp, if not every day, almost every day. Mm. Uh, great determination. There were a bunch of different fans that I saw so consistently uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And that's one of the biggest takeaways that I have from training camp is that how much fun everybody was able to have getting back around the team and, you know, seeing, you know, the, all the guys signing. And today you saw like a, I put out a tweet of a uh, Diggs, Poyer, Hyde, uh, and Deion Dawkins just spending like 15, 20, upwards of 45 minutes. It seemed like Deion Dawkins signed from the time practice ended until uh, Micah Hyde was almost done with his signing and then doing his press conference. So just imagine how long they were out there, some of them. Uh, just really cool to see. And that, to me, is what I want to remember most about this training camp, more so than anything on the field, is just the kind of the rekindling of the love affair between Bill's Mafia and the team finally able to really sink their teeth in, watch them practice, uh, be up close and personal every day. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, the, the last few summers have not been the same, obviously, since uh, COVID came along. It, it shut things down. It made things a lot different. So it, when I was up there at Camp 2, it was great to see post-practice uh, a lot of the guys signing down by the track, going through the tunnel, having all the fans out there waiting, signing for them. Uh, you know, every superstar on this team from Josh Allen, Von Miller, Stefan Diggs, and then all the way down to the guys at the bottom of the roster, everyone I thought was more than gracious with their time signing for kids, signing for adults getting, you know, giving as many autographs as they possibly could on a daily basis. So like you said, it was great to see that bond between the fan base and these players. Uh, the players know how important the, the Bills Mafia is to their success, what they can do it in a game in terms of taking things over the noise level, causing false starts, offsides, penalties, uh, you name it. Even Von Miller today on the Pat McAfee show talking about the love that the Bills Mafia has for the, for the players. The players feel the same way about the fans in this community, and that really says a lot. Uh, speaking of this community, 
community, uh, you're not going to want to forget about your hometown team, Value Home Centers. Uh, he's got the hookup for you right now. Uh, it's your last chance to stock up on summer outdoor essentials, shop outdoor furniture, fire pits, tables, grills, garden tools, and outdoor decor. Just go over to valuehomecenters.com slash current dash ad, and that'll get you uh, everything that's on sale right now. And then end of the season clearance sale, Ryan, through September 3rd, you can save $7 instantly on Valspar Integrity Exterior Paint, $5 on Valspar True Basics Exterior Self-Priming Paint. If you got a job that you want to do around the house, get, get a little paint job done, they got the hookup over at Value. That's right. They have a great deals. Check out the, the site. Check out uh, their weekly ads. They'll have you covered, Bills Mafia. All right, let's go to um, – uh, there's a question from Penny about J- Jameson Crowder. We're going to get there in one minute, but I want to start with what I thought was a really good play to talk about for a couple reasons, and it, it had a lot going on in it. And today I thought that Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, one of the things that I wrote about was that they just didn't feel like they were in sync. And that's going to happen from time to time, right? I mean, as good as Josh Allen is, he's going to have days where it's just – it's not going right. I was talking on the sidelines with a few media members, and even during warm-ups, it was like it just he just didn't have it today. He was throwing the ball like over the the target, and it just wasn't like it didn't feel like he was locked in, and, and it kind of carried over to the team stuff. And so accuracy was a little bit of you know all over the place for Allen today. And on one play, it was Gabe Davis against Kyer Elam and Micah Hyde after practice complimented the rookie for how sticky his coverage was, how good he uh, you know the the play that he made on the uh, on that particular route allowed Micah Hyde then when the, the ball was a little bit behind Davis, glanced off his pad. He couldn't make the catch because Elam was so so tight in coverage on him. Bounces up in the air. Hyde intercepts it. S- kind of slides, picks it off, bounces back up, runs it down the right sideline. And just as he's kind of about to get pushed out of bounds, Gabriel Davis comes in and gives him a nice real big shove. Probably frustrated they wasn't able to make the play. Hyde turns around, throws a fastball at Davis's <laughs> helmet. It was a fun little exchange, and Hyde joked about it afterwards. But, you know, Micah Hyde healthy, which is important because Jordan Poyer right now is still working back from that elbow. It's a good uh, situation that he's gone from that big brace to now just a sleeve, looks to be in good spirits. The timetable looks like it's uh, maybe speeding up a little bit. The Trey White news is good. Things are good in the secondary. If Kyrie Elam can start to make some plays in the preseason, they're really going to like where th- where things stand there, right? Yeah, listen, Elam's been very sticky this offseason in terms of his coverage. Sometimes a little bit too much where uh, he might draw a flag here or there when these preseason games start, but he he is locked in on his receivers. You haven't really seen him get blown by um, very often, if at all. So it's encouraging. It's it's what you want to see when you've been going against the best of the best on this team for a few weeks now. And can that carry over to the... Uh, preseason. I, I think it's going to be a great test for Elam on Saturday when you're mm-hmm. going against Matt Ryan. They've already announced Matt Ryan's going to play in that game. Uh, really good quarterback. Some of the, I'm sure some of his better weapons and receivers will be playing in that game too. So a really nice test for him coming out of training camp, but also a good note for Elam to uh, play a role in that interception. So the thing with Elam that's interesting is he's probably been the guy that has been most underwhelming from conversations I've had with colleagues, like across the board, like, you know, I think people were expecting big things for him. And when he comes in a first round pick and gets outperformed by a six rounder in Christian Benford, uh, who's just made more plays than almost any of the other cornerbacks. I think there's concern there. And I, you know, 
so I get to thinking about a couple things, you know, about that whole conversation. Number one, I think it's really tough for the expectations on Elam to come in here and work against in this defense, work against Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis exclusively every single day. You're at an immediate disadvantage if you're Kyrie Elam. Diggs knows this defense. Davis knows this defense. They've gone against it in practice for years. They've had the training camp battles under their belt. Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's also got that going for him. So I think that the fact that Elam's looked a little bit um, shaky or, you know, maybe not trusting his, you know, footwork or his eyes, whatever you want to want to call it, I think that's to be expected. And he's also had a lot more pressure on him than Benford has had. Benford's been able to come in here really smooth, uh, you know, rise to the occasion and make plays. And every play that Benford makes is a plus. Whereas every little mistake that Elam makes is like highly scrutinized. And I just, I don't want to overreact too much to practice. Has he been great? Not even close. Has he been pretty average on most days? Yes. But I also think he's a a, a rookie that it's going to be snap by snap. You're probably going to see the development here early on, as long as he's able to stay healthy. Yeah, and, and pretty average when you're going against Gabriel Davis and uh, Stefan Diggs isn't the worst thing. I saw someone in the comments say, I thought he's been a bit shaky. Yeah, shaky's a good way to put it. He's been beat by Davis and, and Diggs on routes. Um, but when I said he's been sticky in coverage, he's still around the, the ball. It's just he's not trusting his instincts or his footwork, like Matt said. Uh, it's little things that will come with time when, once he start, once the game starts to slow down for him a little bit. We've heard from various rookies over the years that at some point during the year, the game starts to slow down a little. You can trust your instincts. You can go with what, you know, uh, you have trust in what you're seeing out there and you can kind of jump on the routes. You can uh, be more aggressive at times. So it's something that will come with time. I, I think that Elam, though, ending on a, a high note, ending with a strong practice is a good thing for him and this team. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on Prize Picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S H O U T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. Let's stay uh, with the receivers, the skill positions. I thought that, you know, two highlight of plays of the day. Uh, first, Jameson Crowder, who... Listen, as I was watching this play out, Ryan, all I could think about was you and some of our conversations back in May when you were, you know, on your drum about the run after catch from Jameson Crowder. And I'm like, I don't know if he necessarily really brings that. Well, he showed it today. So he put a big fat, uh, you know, uh, wad of paper in my mouth and and basically (laughs) said, shut it. Uh, It was a really nice play. Bang, bang, play over the middle. 
He makes the catch, had a little bit of separation, had one guy to beat. He zoomed to the outside, got around and beat him, and then boom, he's down the field for like 30, 40 yards. It was a big-time pass play. And on a day when Josh Allen, like I mentioned, was a little bit out of sync, things weren't really super consistent for the offense. That was a big-time play, and I think it, it got momentum uh, going for towards the end of practice, and that led into another big play to end practice. Nice little touchdown, getting the ball in Isaiah McKenzie's hands, as we've seen you know, almost like, you know, a couple hundred times in these training camp scenarios over the last couple of years where you just get the ball to him in space in the red zone. He does the rest, scores a touchdown. So um, a couple of nice, really nice plays for them. I, I, I think that we'll see, and we're going to talk about this later in the show with another a couple other guys, and you could kind of maybe work this in now with Crowder. I still think we're going to see a bunch of Crowder, maybe at least two series, because I, I think they're going to want to get a look at what he does and and how much he grasps this offense now a couple months uh, since he signed. Yeah, I think it's important for Crowder to be out there. He missed a good chunk of training camp early on with with the general soreness. He was off on the bike. Uh, this is a new playbook for him. And, and while he won't have Josh Allen throwing him the ball on Saturday if he's out there on the field, I, I also think it's important to give Case Keenum a, a few weapons while he's out there on the field. And Crowder has a history of being a solid receiver in this league. I, you know, you, you probably don't want Diggs or Davis out there necessarily, but uh, to, to have someone like Crowder, someone that you trust in the slot, someone that can make some plays for you, move the ball, so you can also evaluate the offensive line, the other receivers on this team, Keenum as well. Not that Keenum has anyone uh, you know on his heels pushing him for that number two job. You want to have as good of an evaluation across the board as possible. So having a player like Crowder who's missed some time out there, uh, I think is key, not just for Crowder, but for the team as a whole. A uh, couple of tone setters on defense today. I thought uh, Trade or um, Tremaine Edmonds uh, had a tackle for a loss. Greg Rousseau had a tackle for a loss. When they let, went live and were going to the run game, some struggles for Zach Moss uh, in that portion, um, or in that uh, you know when they were running the ball with him, those short yardage situations. Edmonds was flying off the ball, um, and then um, what was the other one? Oh, Greg Rousseau. It's just like we've seen this flick before, right? I mean, the guy is a run defender. He's so, have we talked about the nickname like Gumby for him? <laughs> I don't think you remember Gumby. I don't think we oh, have, yeah. but, but he reminds me of Gumby in the way that he kind of just slithers off of offensive linemen. It's like he, def, like blockers struggle to kind of get their hands on him and, and set him in a certain play and uh place. And he's so like fluid that I think that like, it's almost like he kind of, contort his body and just move her along the line. It's like, I just had that vision today. It's like, man, just look at Gumby. All of a sudden, like he's rolling down the line and boom, he's there and he makes a tackle. And both those guys look locked and I wouldn't be expecting to see either of them uh, on, on Saturday. So if he's Gumby, who would be pokey that, that red horse there, I believe the, the horse's name was pokey in that. Did you ever watch that show at all? I mean, I, I know watch you knew the show. Oh, same. Um, what did Pokey do? Like, give me a little background. No, he was just the sidekick. He was just the this red clay horse that was always. All right, so Boogie, we'll, we'll give that to Boogie Basham, who okay. made a big play today. Came off the left side, kind of uh, threw us back to training camp last year. Uh, batted down a pass from Josh Allen, almost intercepted it, but Allen got his hand in and like had to slap it down. So I'll, I'll give that award to Boogie Basham for today. I <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, let's see. Anything else you want to cover in practice before we shift gears a little bit, Matt? Oh, good question. There was one more thing I wanted to say, I think. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so 
let's move on to as I put my knee up on the chair there, like I'm just chilling. Let's move on to stock up and stock down. One sure. from each in both categories. You give a stock up, I'll give a stock up, and then we'll go stock down. For you, who is the biggest stock up from the beginning of camp to right now? I mean, I, I think the obvious answer is Isaiah McKenzie. So uh, he came in, he, was, he wasn't he was the surefire number three receiver. I think he is the surefire number three receiver after camp based on how he played, how he's looked, uh, based on the trust that Josh Allen has in him. There's some other players that are fighting for roster spots that I think you could make a case for in terms of having a, a really good camp, uh, giving themselves a real roster shot on this team. But in, in terms of the overall roster, I'm going Isaiah McKenzie. I like it. Um, and I, I definitely have somebody that I think is major stock up before I get there. I got to get right here and tell you that the sizzle of the grill popping open a refreshing drink crowds cheering for their favorite team. These are the beautiful sounds of football season. We're almost there Saturday. It begins and tops is right there with you from fresh meat to locally grown produce tops has everything you need. And so much more for me, Ryan, I'm going to go with Christian Benford and mm. This is a guy, a six-round draft pick, that I, I thought at times looked overmatched in the spring. I, I think we talked about it in a couple shows where I was like, man, he got he got li lined up against like an Isaiah Hodgins or, you know, uh, a Jay Kumaro, and it just it didn't go well for him. It's a completely different story now. We're, we're seeing a guy that's playing with the utmost confidence and making plays against all of the Bills receivers. I mean, I, I can't think – I'm thinking right now, I think I've written about a play against Davis, a play against Diggs, a, a play against Hodgins, a play against McKenzie. He's been up to the challenge for anybody. And, you know, Charles mentions that Benford uh, thought – he thought he had no path to the 53. I think that Benford is, is forcing the Bills' hands. I, I think he's going to play – if he plays well enough in the preseason – they might have to keep him on the 53 and get a little bit creative with what they do and what they do with the rest of the roster. Yeah. And we talked about the bottom end of that uh, defensive back room in general, because there's some guys that have position versatility, flexibility. Uh, but early on, we think we both were thinking maybe Cam Lewis would claim one of those final spots. Now I think that's kind of switched gears a little bit, not saying that Lewis specifically is on the outside looking in, but he was someone that we were talking about being in. Um, Nick McLeod has the versatility, but we haven't heard that name in a while. So there's, there's a lot of guys that, um, maybe it's been more status quo for them where you've had Benford rise to the ranks. I think that's a great pick. And there's honorable mentions across the board. I think, uh, Tommy Sweeney is another player, Matt, that had a really mm. strong camp. I, I think Isaiah Hodgins is a player that deserves, uh, some, some play for someone that had a, a really good camp um, stock up in terms of I went from thinking practice squad for sure to maybe there's a, a chance for him now to, to claim that final roster spot. So both sides of the ball, some players really stepped up this summer and that's exactly what you want to see on such a competitive uh, and arguably best roster in the NFL. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let's go next to, stock down and you know this one is it's kind of tough like I don't think that there's anybody that's just been brutally bad throughout training camp uh, especially in a scenario where it puts them at a, a a real you know looking up at a roster spot the rest of the way where do you kind of start here with looking at maybe somebody that you know maybe went into camp in a 
an advantageous spot that it's really deteriorated a little bit for them. Yeah. You know, you just kind of said it. I'm not sure there is anyone that I can sit here and say, okay, I thought they were someone that was going to make this uh 53 man roster for sure. And, the, and they've disappointed by, you know, by any means, I, I'm trying to think if there's, it could have been, it could have been Jamison Crowder early in training camp, but, but he bounced yeah, back. He made a, himself available and he's made, he's had a couple of days of really good play and he, he played well when uh, McKenzie was uh, out for a few days there as well. You know, maybe I'll just go with Jake Kumro for the fact that he was out for a while with the general soreness um, that it opened the door for Isaiah Hodgins that he hasn't necessarily flashed much in these practices. And, and right now that, you know, I think a lot of people are just leaning on the fact that he's so good on special teams that he has a path to this roster, which may end up being true. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in that room when Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, and this coaching staff is making that decision. Uh, but he's left the door open for Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Hodgins or someone else to kind of claim that roster spot where I thought for sure if he would be out there on the field more, uh, he would make enough plays to kind of show that he deserved to be on this roster. Uh, we have the best uh, fans in all of podcasting because they're just dialing up the uh, uh, the options that all of us <laughs> could kind of pick from. And I'll, I'll mention a couple of them. Steven says, OJ Howard, that's going to be – the guy that I th that I'm yeah. going to go with, Nick brings up Spencer Brown. The reason I shy away from Brown is because he is working his, his way back in, and I think they're going to give him every opportunity to play. Now, I do like Nick's point on Brown from the sense that you went into training camp thinking, all right, we're going to get to see Spencer Brown, and you almost didn't for weeks. And when you did, it's been on kind of a limited basis. So if you want to talk about stock down, I, I definitely think Brown's has dipped, and we saw uh, a Questenberry played quite a bit more today than I think as a Bills fan, you want to see him at this point. Shaq Lawson, my expectations weren't super high for him going in. It was it was kind of like it was an afterthought. You know, I was more interested in watching some of those those younger guys, but again, a good one where it's it's almost like the lack of attention that he's received is is kind of demerits on a former first round pick. But I'm gonna go with OJ Howard. I think that his his training pack camp has been so lackluster and with the way that Tommy Doyle has shined, especially here over the last week or so, it's really knocked Howard down a few pegs. And I don't think we're going to get to any type of situation over the next three weeks where, where OJ Howard doesn't make this roster. I just don't, I don't see that happening, but his role in this offense, you know, how much he plays, how much they are willing to count on him can be determined by how much he picks things up over the next couple of weeks. So if it comes to, you know, on the heels of a, a, a disappointing training camp, he's got a lot of work to do over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Sweeney really stepped up in, in terms of the, the training camp practices. I would like to see that carry over to the preseason for him. Uh, live game action against opponents. I, I still don't think he's a, a threat to Howard's spot as the number two tight end on this team, but you, you need to see more from OJ Howard. Like you said, I think lackluster, is the perfect word to describe his camp. There wasn't ever a day where he said, oh, okay, this is the guy. Uh, this is the reason why the Bills paid this player to come in and be that number two. Uh, you, you saw the athleticism has has taken a hit with the injuries in his career. There's, there's still ways to use him as a chess piece to create mismatches, uh, but I think it'll be a little bit more challenging for Ken Dorsey and company than maybe what Howard was at one point in his career when he was first coming out, he had a lot more athleticism. Uh, th there were more ways that you could have probably used him and, and utilized him on this roster at that point in time. 
Um, so a couple things here. Uh, first and foremost, hit that like button. We're up uh, hovering around 200 on YouTube. Uh, like that thing. Get it up to 100. Get as many people in here. The comment section is going off. Uh, great side conversations, additions to the show. We appreciate all of you. And then find the Shout Podcast over on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your audio-only podcasts. We're running a series. I just dropped a, the latest episode last night, Mookie Hawkins, Wolfo Sports 1080, uh, Camp Diaries, where we go beyond the football, the X's and O's. We get into more of you know camp life and what it was like for a lot of the media members coming back to St. John Fisher, some other conversations that maybe you wouldn't expect kind of uh, transpired, and they're really good. I'm going to be dropping a couple more. Matt Bovey from uh, Channel 7, uh, Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic, um, John Scott Spectrum and Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News. They're all recorded. I just got to edit them and get it up. I'll get at least two more up, hopefully today. You can find them, like I mentioned, on the audio platforms. All right, let's get into Saturday, Ryan. The Bills versus the Colts. We're going to see uh, Matt Ryan, so there's probably a fun couple of names that uh, will stick out here, but I want to come up with five here. Let's, let's go through the exercise, and I'm going to start um, – Players that were most closely watching on Saturday against the Colts in the preseason opener. For me, I want to start with Cody Ford. Here's what's going on with Ford. He's had a couple days where he's mixed in on the first team. But again, today, Roger Saffold was rotating in at left guard. And in today, as opposed to yesterday when it was Ford, today was Bobby Hart who was getting those reps. Bobby Hart is in direct competition with Cody Ford. Something's going on that I think that they like Bobby Hart inside. And maybe that's going to unlock the potential. Go back, you know, read some of the stuff early on as Bobby Hart struggled in Cincinnati. I know a lot of people are not big fans. But maybe he just isn't fast enough to play on the outside. Maybe his size and his abilities are better suited on the inside. And maybe Bobby Hart ends up being the guy Aaron Cromer is able to unlock a little bit. And if that's the case, I think it's going to be big trouble for Cody Ford. He's going to have to show up. He's going to have to show out. I want to be watching him very closely on Saturday. Yeah, I love that one. I'm going to go Khalil Shakir. Now, 100% roster lock. But why am I watching the rookie? I think he's going to get some return opportunities against the Colts. And I know he wasn't on the first team for returns. I know it was Tavon Austin. But Austin's in this tricky spot where dealing with general soreness, uh, older player. There's only so many receivers you're going to carry on this team. Can Shakir prove to be a viable return option? If so, I think that affects Tavon Austin, obviously in a negative way where it could end up knocking him off this roster, Matt, despite being uh, that first team return man on the initial unofficial depth chart. That's a great one. And I, and I totally agree with you 100%. That'll put a lot of pressure on Austin and give the bills the flexibility to say, all right, maybe we don't need to do go that route. I'm going to go with for my next one and we'll go three each. So we'll do six. Okay. Matter Ariza. Um, here's a little bit and shout out to Steven, dude, our, 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 our guys and gals in the chat. They're on it, man. Always three sixty five. Ariza to me has the opportunity on Saturday to end Matt Hawk's tenure with the Buffalo bills. I think if he goes out there and he holds well, he kicks well, 
The Bills can make the uh, uh, decision to cut Matt Hawk at the first cutdown down to 85 because at that point, it's going to be similar to what happened with the Bills with Steven Hauschka and Tyler Bass a couple of years ago. Give the young player all of the reps and snaps moving forward if you believe in him enough, and then give the veteran, Hawk, a chance to kind of maybe get on with another team at some point. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Matt Ariza on Saturday, but if he delivers, that could be the end for Matt Hawk. I love it. That was actually going to be my next pick. So I'm going to go Isaiah Hodgins. I just sat here. I said, I think there's a path for him to make this 53 man roster. I also think there's a chance for this to be a little bit of a showcase for him. Uh, we earlier in the week, case Keenum talked about the tingle he got when he was throwing the ball to Isaiah Hodgins. And he felt that he was going to be able to, uh, you know, work on that relationship a little bit during this preseason. Hodgins, I think, is good enough to be on an NFL roster. And I look across the league. I look at a team like the Bears. Uh, Nikhil Harry is out for about eight weeks. That wide receiver room is barren. Uh, the Browns are dealing with a lot of wide receiver injuries. And, and there's other teams as well. Could Hodgins perform well enough that a team would reach out to Brandon Bean and say, hey, you know, you kind of have a surplus at wide receiver. We'll give you a day three pick kind of recoup that pick that you used for him a few years ago and we'll take Hodgins. We, we see that track of development, you know, a la Daryl Johnson in terms of the defensive end last year, where the bills had a surplus there. They didn't have, they couldn't keep them all. So they were able to find a trade partner. I think Hodgins could be in that boat. He's young enough where there's enough personnel in these front offices that maybe had a uh, favorable view of Hodgins as a developmental wide receiver and maybe someone that would want to add him to their team. So for the point of the art of this conversation, I'm going to pick one player. I'm going to say Dane Jackson, but it's really about that trio of cornerbacks because what I think we're going to see happen over the next couple of weeks, if Trey White is really ramping up to being able to get back and ready and Sean McDermott was asked about it today and, you know, yeah, he said, like, yeah, he hasn't played football in a long time, but he's a veteran. He's a guy that's done it a long time. I think once he gets close, they're going to kind of unleash him a little bit and see what he can do. If he's able to play, maybe not week one, but very early on, then it becomes, is Kyer Elam ready to be CB2? And at this point, I don't know if I'm confident enough to say it. I think Dane Jackson has to go out there over the course of the preseason games and put an exclamation point on him being good enough, reliable enough. And I know he's got you know a lot of success early on in his first two years, but continue to kind of double that. I think Elam's going to get every chance to play, and I think in the end it's probably going to be him. But if if Jackson goes out and has uh, an absolute home run of a preseason, then that all of a sudden creates some controversy. And along with that, Benford, if he continues to play really well, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Elam. I, I do think that we have the potential – to land at some type of rotation and where they kind of maybe just, you know, I don't know if they're going to run all three of them out there, but take their best two opposite white when he's ready. And that might not be until week three or week four, whenever that is. And then say, all right, we're not going to put all the pressure on Elam, but we want him out there a little bit. But we also want to see Dane Jackson. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I'm kind of going through a few players here. I'm going to, I'm going to go Balen Spector. I think Balen Spector is a player that is going to see a ton of action this preseason starting on Saturday against the Colts with Andre Smith's suspension looming, Matt, I, there's a path for him to get onto this roster, but he has to play like his draft evaluation says he has to play like his hair is on fire. 
on defense, on special teams. He needs to stand out starting on Saturday. If he can do it, the rookie out of Clemson, based on the flashes that he's had at training camp, I think there is a way for him to make this initial 53-man roster. There you go. There you have it. Uh, I will have a full uh, seven. I will have a, a surprise guest on the uh, what to watch. It'll be those six uh, and one more up at the site uh, sometime tomorrow. So you're going to want to check that out. Thank you so much again, everybody, for all of your support throughout all of training camp. It has been such a fun ride back at St. John Fisher. It becomes this ultimate grind, but at the in the end, it's it's so rewarding because we have so much fun doing it, Ryan. Yeah, I had a blast. I had a great time getting out there to Rochester, uh, coming to Highmark for the return of the Blue and Red. So looking forward to next summer already to hit up some more training camp practices, but don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we have what could be a very special 2022 season on our hands here, Matt. Speaking of special, from your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football to backyard barbecues and every meal in between, Tops is proud to have been at your table for the last 60 years and looks forward to 60 more. Tops at your table since 1962. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino signing off from St. John Fisher University. See you very soon on Saturday. Take care, everybody.